Well, here we are. Uh, a day late, but we got another show. Another show for everybody. This is Chatterbox Video Game Radio. My name's Alon. And my name's Arya. So I put on Facebook, I told people, I said, wait, guys, yeah, it's we're, we're, po- we're recording on Tuesday this week, so wait one more day for the show. It's completely my fault. I'll take full responsibility. Oh, listen, I've, I've asked you to delay the show as well, but yeah. this is an interesting freedom we're afforded as, as podcasters instead of the radio, but I've always... I've always thought it's good that we keep a certain amount of structure. So, like, if it's not Monday, it's Tuesday, but we still get it out there. If we're going to be gone a week, we record in advance and we release yes. at the right the, time. The structure is good, and it's also good for my sleeping habits, so I don't have to be waking up at 3 a.m. Yeah. Then having to go to sleep at 7 p.m. I should point out to our fans, by the way, that if a show does not release when you expect, within two days... Yeah, so just, just hang on. Now, it's coming. No, no, actually, no. don't. Don't hang e- on. Email me. Okay. <laughs> don't listen to me. Listen to Alon. If we don't if we don't record by Tuesday night, meaning if it's not available by a midnight or one o'clock Wednesday, my time, which is whatever time it is for you, uh, in your neck of the woods, uh something's wrong. Like Yeah, just think of it this way. We always um we publish on Wednesday and if you get it earlier it's bonus time. <laughs> Yeah, but if you don't, it's because something's messed up, which I've done plenty of times, and for some reason it's there and you're just not seeing it, and I need to fix something. And uh, so few people actually email to be like, hey, what's what's wrong? I haven't seen the show. Like, we'll go five days without a show, and I won't even know it. It's that way with everything in the world, isn't it? Yeah, it's stupid XML, man. You know, Feeds. That's just... why I make it a point to tell people. This is actually going to be a beautiful segue. You know, to tell people things so that they have that feedback... Because otherwise they would never know, right? Like if you go to, you know, McDonald's or whatever, mm-hmm. and which I try not to do, you get your 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 burger and there's mustard missing on the burger, right? Oh my god! Now you could just say you could just you know get really upset because you've been jonesing for this special McDonald's mustard, the poupon that only comes on the burger, and you've been jonesing for this all day, and it's just just the thing the only the only comfort that you can find during the, that day is to experience that mustard topping on that burger and they didn't have it right and so you could uh you could just get you know annoyed and then you know get really angry for about a second and then forget all about it or you could tell them but of course this is a huge corporation mcdonald's so it probably doesn't make any sense to actually tell them anything because it would never matter and probably nobody there cares about their job but Maybe in another in another context, you can actually impart some valuable feedback. For example, if you get a email from a recruiter. Oh, that's where we're going with this. This is where we're going. Yeah. Okay. Um, I was lost for a second. So yeah, I know I was kind of stringing it out. So every once in a while, I get these messages. These basically like these cold calls in message form from recruiters, right? And that's what I, LinkedIn is for, right? That is what LinkedIn is for. And and there's some recruiters have more aggressive approaches than others. And some recruiters have more disingenuous sounding messages than others. And on some days, Aura is more bored than on other days. I hadn't thought about that. I guess recruiters contacting you has – their success has a lot to do with your mood. Well, the amount – that they get from me depends on my mood because I'm the kind of person that just likes to engage you know, for any reason at all, right? So they send me a message, right? And I usually – like I get bored of just sending back the I'm not looking, like, but thanks, right? So I what I started doing was um, – and, and I'm not – I'm really I, – it's not going to sound this way, but I'm really not trying to be a huge dick, okay? Um but I'll tell them, like, I'll give them some feedback on, like, the way that they're cold approaching me. <laughs> because because some of them are actually, they're, they're pretty bad. And, and, and I honestly, like, besides... But that's what LinkedIn is for. You go on there so that you will find a job if, and ever, if, if you ever need one. Look, there's no problem with cold messages, right? The problem that I have is when the, the, it starts becoming, like, disingenuous or dishonest. And I'll give you when they're like, "Hey, we're willing to pay you a million dollars." Ha ha! Just kidding. Well, not exactly that dramatically disingenuous, but I'll just tell you what happened. Here's the example, right? So, and this actually happened today, and I was really bored today. So, this is a good combination of events. 
Um, so I get this. I won't say where it was from, but I get this message from a recruiter. And do you, she's do like, you know where it's from? No. Usually they, they hide everything on the first first contact. Well, no. I mean, I could I could tell where, like, I could see her profile, right? Oh, but she's just a recruiter. But you, yeah. you don't know what company she's recruiting for. No, no, she's for. a recruiter for, like, a studio, right? She's not, like, a, like a recruiter oh, she's for a Oh, she's in-house. Company. Yeah, she's okay. an in-house recruiter, right? I so, misunderstood. So, so her message was, like... Wow, you've done some amazing design work. That's great. How does she know? It, this is what I'm trying to get at, right? Because your first reaction is, how do you know? Right? And then she's like, and, and then the next sentence was, um, you know, oh, yeah, you know, you've, you've been from, you know, from Acclaim to Rainbow to THQ. You've, you know, you have, you have a really... All the way imp- from Rainbow to THQ? You have a really impressive history or something like that, right? And it was, it was pretty obvious that, like, you know, while appreciated that they took the time to look at my incredibly outdated LinkedIn profile... And then, like, they basically enumerated the studios that I was at, and, you know, she folded that into an introductory message, right? Now, it's very appreciated that she took the time to do that, right? But what's not really appreciated is, like, all of these compliments that just come out of nowhere, and they're just, they're really just disingenuous, right? So I'm trying not to be smarmy, although she's probably annoyed and thinks I'm a huge dick bag and will never contact me again. And she's probably putting me on some. Uh, blacklist which is fine um but basically i was like hey you know i appreciate you contacting me but i'm not looking but if you're open to some feedback you know i think that your initial cold messages would be a lot more effective if they didn't come on so strong and i said like look i really think that the most you can get away with is just saying that i thought your profile was impressive before you start sounding disingenuous that's totally fair i believe so yeah, no problem there. But who knows? All right. I don't I don't have a lot of experience in this area. So, well, nobody does. Nor do right? I work in your field. But because because nobody will do that, right? But I just I feel like I have to be I don't feel like I have to, but I, for some reason I feel compelled to be the one who like will say things that other people won't say. I'm that way sometimes. Yeah. I don't I don't know that I would do it for a recruiter, but what's interesting to me is there are these times when and these times I say all the frigging time we're hearing about companies, video game companies, just dissolving, right? Right now, it's, it's a huge publisher that had lots of um, studios, but other times, it's just smaller studios. Like we, we, the, this is, this is actually a, thing, pretty, it's a pretty bad run right now, yeah, because there was THQ, and now there's uh, Junction Point. And all over the place, they're, they're falling apart. There were the ones in Rhode Island, right, who made the yeah, Kings and Amler thing. Um, but every time that happens, you've got these other companies trying to scoop up these experienced people. And I was like, what? In a lot of ways, yeah. How is that happening? If the industry is shrinking and companies are are, are failing left and right, right, why would you want the people who are failing? Like if they were doing well, they well, would have done I think, well. I, th- I mean, I, that's a good observation. I think that it's because there's a bunch of different things happening at once. I think like, w- like one of them is that um, – I mean, we are shrinking in a lot of ways. Like, not everybody who loses their job in this way gets it back, although a lot of them do, right? The other thing, too, is that I don't even know if all of these repurchases from, let's say, the fallout from all these studios are actually going to be um, good or even sustained in the long run. Because I think that... In terms of employment? I just imagine it's all for IP. Yeah, because these companies... Well, it's that, right? And and we don't know, actually. Like, for example, with the recent fallout from THQ, we have no idea what the new owners of all these companies are going to want to do with the employees. We don't know. Maybe they want to keep them. Maybe they want to get rid of half of them. Maybe they want to get rid of all of them. Who knows, right? So we don't don't know. But the funny thing is is that I, I feel like the industry for the last several years has really gone grown beyond what it could support mostly from the fact that you know some of the biggest players have just made this insane amount of money right like there's reports you'll go on gamma sutra for example and, and other other blogs and there, there's reports if you read reports of like what's happening to the economy of the games uh, in terms of like sales they're like Oh no, sales are tanking. You know, sales the the you know, the video game console sales are are you know, they're in like a horrible state and they're tanking and they're 
they're going away and they're like they're dropping down back to 2006 levels and if you actually look at the historical record and i i wish i could show maybe maybe we can on facebook you can maybe we can post this on facebook i wish i could show you right now but basically what happened like after around 2006 7 8 ish right was that i'm i'm tracing this line with my finger right it's like okay like in the up, air, he means. Up to 2008, it's like, okay, like fairly modest growth, like, you know, pretty linear, right? And then around 2008, there's this huge spike, right? And now, like, like almost vertical, right? Does that coincide with, like, the Xbox getting cheaper or something? It's, I mean, I think it coincides with, this was around, like, Guitar Hero time. And I think, like, like the Wii, Guitar Hero, Call, maybe Call of Duty, right? Like, it was just... A time when, like, a lot of these big hitters came on the scene. Yeah, it was really the prime time of this, and, this generation. Yeah, too. and and what I think happened was really, really unnatural. And if you look at this historical graph, it'll be obviously unnatural. You'll, you'll look at it, you'll see this straight line going up, and you'll be like, anybody who looks at it will be like, clearly, this is not a sustainable pattern. Something's going to go wrong. Something something must happen, right? And we're going – it's like it's like we're now, we're now doing like a market correction, right? And we're coming back down to where we would have been if that crazy almost vertical line wasn't there, right? Okay. And so I don't think anything bad is happening. I just think that the way that the industry just erupted in the past several years in terms of making money has given people a false sense of expectation, right? Just like what happened with Apple with their stock recently. Yeah. But this is in the stock show, so let's not talk about that. Yeah, let's not because it just makes me sad. Well, I'm in the same boat you are. Oh, not, not really. Maybe, maybe a smaller <laughs> boat. We'll be right back. Chatterboxers, how much do you love Amazon.com? Since you're like me, the answer is a lot. And since you love Chatterbox almost as much, here's what I want you to do. Next time you get a new game, a pair of socks, downloadable MP3, anything really, go to helpchatterbox.com. It takes you to Amazon, but when you buy something, we get a piece of the action. That's good for us, and Amazon feels good because you didn't buy it from GameStop. Helpchatterbox.com. Remember it. Bookmark it. Tattoo it backwards on your forehead. And yes, all I'm asking you to do is buy stuff you are already going to buy. Just do it at helpchatterbox.com. And we're back. You're listening to Chatterbox Video Game Radio, where we give out tips about recruiting to recruiters. <laughs> and by the way, if you want to get recruited, one option, one way to get into the industry is through education. Not the route that you took, Ara, but uh, you could go to school and, and help yourself get in a position to learn these things. I, I got to say something else. Oh, wait. You're still doing your stick. Yeah. Well, I was going to say UAT.edu is the website for the University of Advanced Technology where you could get a gaming education. And then you can be hounded by recruiters. There's, I, I have to say that there was um, – there's something about a lot of recruiters that kind of irks me. By the way, they won't hound you just for going to school. You have to get some experience under your belt. Yeah. I, I'm being optimistic. I'm being, I just don't want people to think we're lying with our advertising. <laughs> Yeah, that was that's what too many recruiters do. <laughs> you have games under your belt. Yeah. So so I I mean I don't want to I don't want to like um what's the word um talk bad about recruiters without having a very precise context and condition to this. So I've I've had some unfortunately rare very very wonderful wonderful experiences with recruiters. Uh, but most recruiters, the thing the thing that's been very frustrating for me is that, um, and this is, I think, maybe where I get some of my snarkiness about it from, is that a lot of times they they don't really know, like they come they come to you from nowhere, right? Because it's a cold call, and that's fine. You know, I have no problem with that. I think that's totally a okay, and I and I welcome it. You know, like I said, I like 
confrontation. But they'll they'll come at you from nowhere and they'll kind of like talk to you like um, they're really, really interested in what you're looking for. And unfortunately, I mean, if that was genuinely the case most of the time, that would be fine. But unfortunately, it turns out not to be the case most of the time because what ends up happening is that you will – like there was this one recruiter that I was dealing with and I'm like, look, you know, my, my needs and my desires in a career are very, very precise and specific, you know, and I spent like an hour on the phone with her trying to explain to her like, okay, like this is the kinds of games that I like, right? This is the kinds of things that I'm into. This is what I do. Like, like professionally, this is what I'm into. This is, this is like, this is my area that I'm interested in. Right? Not the one who contacted you today. This is in the past. Yeah, this is in the past. Okay. Right. And you spend a lot of effort trying to explain to them what you're about, and they it's like they just ignore it, right? And maybe maybe they're listening to you, but it's you get the feeling like and this is just purely like this is just purely my perspective of like how I feel like I'm being treated, right? You purely get the feeling that they're they're like, Oh, well, you know, we gotta find someone for this account and that account. You know, and these are like so. We'll like we'll dump this. We'll try the shitty ones on him first, right? And see if he'll bite. You know, uh, so like, I'd... oh, I got this awesome job at a place, and it's an MMO, right? And I'm like, I told you, like, I have no interest in MMOs. I will not work for an MMO. You know, like, oh, and this one, you know, maybe it's not really what your thing is, but I think it'll be a really good fit for you, right? And this is when the disingenuousness comes. Yeah, because they don't know you well enough to know what's a good fit. Right, but even even despite like every honest good faith effort you put forth to try to explain to them what you're about, they still don't seem to understand. And, and so you, you're, you're forced to conclude that either they can't understand, in other words, like they don't have enough technical knowledge of the ins and outs of these types of positions to be able to differentiate. The positions or the type of game? Both. Because I can imagine they don't know the difference between an MMO and a racing game. Both. But they may, they may not know the difference between, for example, like a designer who's mechanically inclined and wants to work on you know, mechanical projects versus some, a designer who's very like, conceptually and thematically inclined and wants to work on like, story games. You know? um, but this is – I feel like if you're a recruiter, you need to be able to understand all of these things, right? And so either, either they don't, right? They don't understand or they do understand – and they don't care. They're just trying to, you know, min-max and optimize their situation, which is, right? We... Well, there's different types of recruiters, right? So there's the ones that you're describing now. I'm talking are... about headhunters, basically. Yeah. They're external, about. and they're just trying to place as many as possible because they get bonus e- for each one. Right. And then there's the in-house ones, like the one that contacted you today, who are just trying to fill a specific position or a specific yeah. set of positions, and they want the best people. Normally, the in-house ones are, are much more pleasant because they don't have that other component to them. Yeah. There's... By the way, if you're curious about the industry, there's also other types of recruiters who are like retained. They're kind of like in-house, but technically they're a firm. And anyway, right. they're uh, yeah. Recruiters can go either way. Usually they're out for themselves. But um, I have had a, a small number of very good experiences with them in the past. So not it, not in the games industry. Yeah, it's funny because one of my friends, uh, I won't say which one, in, in the case that he actually doesn't want this to be revealed. But I was talking to him today too, and it was really interesting because. Um, he used to work at a job that he hated, right? And he's quit that job, okay? And now he's doing something else. And he got a no- he got he got a note from a recruiter that basically implied that they knew that he's not working there anymore, right? And he's like, "Why didn't they contact me when I was in my job and I hated it versus now when I'm actually not looking and I'm doing something that I actually like doing?" Yeah, that's that's fascinating. I mean, it, it has more to do with their position. They weren't looking for someone, just like he wasn't looking. Right. Well, he well. was. He he kind of was a little confused because of the timing. That it was almost as if like they had found out that he doesn't work there anymore, and he had gotten on some special list somehow. And now they're con- it's like now that you don't work there, now we're contacting you. Just like I was contacted because. This person know that I knew that I no longer work at THQ. Although what they don't know is that I haven't been working for THQ for over well over a year now. That's what's fascinating to me. Yeah. Well, it was you know I mean my my LinkedIn profile is horribly out of date because that's just it's just not that important to me. Yeah. To keep it up to date. 
Um, but it's funny because yeah, I guess people will assume that it is exactly up to date. Well, yeah, I mean, you assume that people aren't lying on this public resume website. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's essentially what it looks like, right? Like, well, you say you work at THQ, so I think you work at THQ. Well, there's a difference between something being out of date and lying. Well, no, I know it sounds harsh, right? But that's not that's when if you were to be like, oh yeah, I don't work there anymore, they would be like, well, why does it say that then? Yeah. Like, why would you put that up there? I just have this feeling that a lot more people, though, have out-of-date profiles on LinkedIn than oh, certainly. one might assume, right? It's like if you're, if, you're smart, if you're a smart recruiter, I think that you should be able to understand that there's probably a pretty good percentage of profiles that are not kept up to date on a regular basis. Yeah, uh, just like any social media where people are just going to abandon them. Yeah, but you, like, don't pretend like you're my best friend if you're not prepared to be my best friend. <laughs> Don't pee on my shoes and tell me it's raining, as <laughs> Judge Judy says. I uh, I don't know if I've heard that one. No, not you. All right. So, speaking of social media and places you get your messages, uh, we got a phone call. Yes, we did. We got a phone call, not really through social media. I don't know. That was a poor segue. But uh, we got a Google Voice. I've decided that Google Voice is horrible um, in terms of audio quality. Great service, bad quality. So I don't know that these are ever going to get played on the air, but it's a message nonetheless. Yeah, so it was from Kent Dog, and Kent, um, thanks to your Bluetooth and your shitty quality, but also we find out that Google severely compresses the audio after the fact, too. I think we always knew that, yeah. Well, we gained a new we gained a new level of appreciation for how they compress it. So it's not 100% your fault, but thank you for... Um, Exactly, but if if you wanna us. if you wanna get your message on the show, you could just come stop by my house or Aura's, uh, and we'll mic you, and then then we'll record. It'll be great. That way, that would solve the whole problem. Okay, you want to give him your address and not my address? <laughs> nope. Okay, fair enough. You know, years ago, I I gave my real phone number on the air by accident. Like I meant to give the station number. How'd that work out? Uh, luckily, I I happened to be getting rid of that number like the next month to switch providers or something. So. Yeah, or maybe it was my home phone number, and I was just about to turn it off. I can't remember. That must be what it was. Yeah. yeah. Oh well. All right, moving moving along. What did Kent say? Anyway, so so Kent, uh, you hit on a few different points that are actually really interesting. I think for us to talk about. Um, basically, um, Kent was asking about um, the topic we were talking about last week. When or was it two weeks ago? No, I think it was last week. It seemed to me like it mixed. In mixed topics. He's basically saying, like, how do you make people happy and, like, make it realistic without... Well, I'll, I'll, I'll get to that one because I think that one was a little less uh, coherent. But basically, I was talking about how, um, you know, we were talking about civilization and, and these patches. And I was talking about last week how, um, you know, it's when you change something on people after they're used to it, right, that's far more upsetting than if it had started out that way the whole time, right? Yeah, if you change a like rule. Like a rule about a, how a game works, like That's Scrabble or Civ or whatever, right? Better not to have the rule in the first place than to change it. Yeah, and so so Kent is asking about, he's wondering, like, well, what's the psychology behind this, right? Well, I mean, it's it's... I think that it should be... Um, I mean, in a lot of ways, it's pretty intuitive, right? It's like, I'm sure telling you what the rules are, right? I'm going, to, I'm going to say, oh, you know, I'm going to hire you for a job, right? Let's let's use a different example. Uh, your your salary is going to be 50k, right? And when you get the job, like, ah, oh, you know what? This salary, uh, it's actually going to be 40k. This is upsetting to you because you thought it was going to be 50. Yeah. And now it's 40, right? But if you got the job and they're like, your salary is going to be 40k, you'd be like, all right. Yeah, uh, you can actually use that in the inverse, and this is something I've talked about on the show and in my life several times. All about expectations. If you went in there and said you're going to make fifty k, but you knew behind the scenes actually you want to pay, you want to just get him excited, get him in at fifty, and then tell him when he comes in, hey, you know what, make it sixty, and he'll be like, oh my god, that's amazing. This company is great. He would like them even more than if they just said beforehand and he came in making that much. Yeah, and it's like. Um what do they do? Like, there's something that that happens in consumer issues that's really bad called bait and switch, right? Where they're like, "Hey, right?" Like, they offer something for sale for a certain amount, right? And it's like, "Oh no, no, 
We don't have that in stock anymore. We don't have that in stock. We have this other thing, right? So it's like it's just it's all about expectations and setting you up for the expectations and changing them. Episode 470. If you want to leave a message for us like Kent did, it's 480-442-6321. Or 4GAME21. And uh, like we were saying before before the break, it's all about expectations. And, and this is definitely something we've talked about, but it's something that everybody should internalize. This is, like, it's not just game-related. It's not just, you know, uh, usable in some small facets of your life. You can totally manipulate people by understanding the the result of expectations. This is why, like, you know those kids who have the absent father and the father calls them and says, don't worry, honey, I'm going to come to your basketball game. I'm going to be there this time. And then they don't show up, and the kid remembers for the rest of their life. Their dad constantly saying they're going to show up, and then they don't show up. By the way, it never happened to me because I was never in sports. Uh, that really, you remember that because you're disappointed. But if the, you never set up the expectation, then you're not going to be upset because nothing was broken. On the other hand... You can tell people one thing and give them more than they expected, and they're going to be very happy. And uh, that's, well, if you can mix that into anything you do, including making a game, then you can adjust how, how the gamer will feel when playing the game. This, this is totally true. There's something that's, uh, there's an issue that's related to this that um, I want to bring up. And Kent, you weren't really asking about this specifically, but you reminded me of, um, here's something, I'll just pose this to you, Alon. Why do you think that uh, most games where you get score don't give you negative score, or they never take away score? Um, honestly, why do I think? Yeah. I think it's just built on, uh, I want to say expectation now, but it's more like built on the legacy. That's how it started, and people just stick with that. Instead well, of coming up with a new system. That's probably true in the aggregate. That's probably why most people do that, right? But there's actually a very, very solid and specific psychology behind it. And even though most people just make score that way because everyone else has been doing that, the, the psychology behind it is that once I've given you something that you've earned, right, it is far more psychologically devastating and memorable to you to have that taken away from you, however fairly that may be taken away, versus you have never having earned it in the first place. Yeah, but there there are still games that do this. They, like, they do, but it's not it's not a good practice. And the reason why it's not a good practice is that particular psychological reason. I, it's it's better to give points strictly, and you you penalize the player in, in a different way rather than penalizing them by taking away score. I don't know. I think it builds tension if you don't. So, like, what I'm thinking of right now is, uh, you know, those those simple iPhone games or, or mobile yeah, games. Yeah, it, like it'll you're just build jumping. tension too. But the reason the reason why strictly increasing scores are implemented is because of that reason. It's because we what we don't want you to do is we don't want you to dwell so much on the fact that you made, that you made that mistake in an excessive way, and so we don't want to have that negative psychological component of we've given you something and now we're taking it away from you. There's a bunch of games that do have negative score. But I don't think that in most cases it's a good idea. I mean, it, I guess we're also imagining strictly a, a strict use of the term score. Because what I'm thinking of is just forcing forcing you to go backwards at some point. Because not all games are measured with an, an actual score counter. No, I'm, ta- I'm just, talking about score. Like, I don't, I'm not sure. Okay, so doing. if you've got a whole game built and you could play the game with or without the score and there is a score... On top of that, yeah. then then yeah, there's not much use. Honestly, then there's not much use to having the score in the first place. No, there's still use. But, there's still use. There's the score in the case like that. I mean, it's it's strictly a metric of your performance if it's done right. Yeah, but I, 
I don't know. You know I, it, I like a, it the other way. It's a way of telling you how good you've done. You know, I've done 100,000 points good, and you did 200,000 points good, and now we can compare our performance between each other. Yeah, I mean, I, I get that. Yeah. But at the same time, I, I actually like it the other way because it forces you to be more careful. Well, it does force you to be more careful. Yeah. And, it, you know, no matter what it is, some people will like anything. Anyway, I, I want to present the, the specific example that Kent gave. He asked not only why does this happen, but I think he also asked how do you, how do you counter it? So, um, like his example was if you have a building with a lot of doors. Um, yeah, this was a funny but, example, right? Because Have we talked um, about this specific example before? I feel like we, we have. have, but in a completely different context, and that's why it's weird. Okay, so let me present it to the listener. You have a building. Most buildings in the world have lots of doors, and so when you put a building in a game graphically, you want to present it with a bunch of doors so it doesn't look weird. At the same time, uh, none of these doors will work because if you had them all work, then you know you're building a whole lot of game with very little purpose. You need to you want to get the player going where he's supposed to. So like only one of them is unlocked. So you ever play play a game? And think to yourself, damn it, why is this one door out of 100 unlocked? Why can't right. I just kick down this door? It's, it's I pretty mean, I'm much the Hulk. Every, every game that has background graphics of something where you'd expect there to be a door. Like yeah, a or building. you have a big, powerful character that can break walls, yet he can't get through a door that he really wants to get through. Sure, but the, the door example is really good, right? Because it's like if you're having a building, if you want the building to look like a building, it should have a door. But the game isn't about going through that door, so there's nothing behind the door. So there's a there's some cognitive dissonance there of you encountering a door that is in fact not door it's just graphics. So here's the funny thing, right? So Ken's like, "Well, how do you deal with this?" right? There are and, and I've talked about this in another context previously. The other context being that you it's it's really tricky and it's kind of like a um it's kind of like a downward spiral of a game that you can't win if you try to make a game that's too realistic. Because the problem is is that once you start making realistic-looking things, those things come with all kinds of baggage that invariably you just have no way of addressing. The baggage with the building front being that if you draw a building and it's a realistic game, you're going to draw a door on that building. And invariably, you're going to get to a point where... You will have to draw a door for it to look believable, but you will not be able to put anything behind that door because that's not the game that you're making, yeah. right? So yeah. the way out of it is don't do that. Don't have buildings in your game. Or design – I mean you, you could also – let's just say you design the game so you're this big dude who can break down doors, uh, but then later on you want him to not get through some doors. Don't give him the ability to break down doors – make him have to do something else like have a key and right maybe but, keys but you don't even need enough. to like go to that go to that extreme to to get to, to still have the problem because even if you're any kind of feeble humanoid weakling in this game if you see a door you have an expectation that you should probably be able to open it or you say oh it's all it's locked or whatever but here here's the thing in addition to what i said i've always thought that stylistically visual games are much much better than realistically visual games for this very reason that once for example uh like well like mario right you know you could like mario's universe is far enough removed from real life that you could make anything you want in that game in that in that universe and it makes sense in other words like you'll see you, you see background graphics or foreground graphics in the, in that game and you generally know how they work. It's not like oh this is so foreign to me I don't know what's what's happening, right? It's very easy to read, but none of those things have a lot of analog in like very very real life things, you know? And the thing that's beautiful about when you build a game in a very stylistic way, like what what are some other examples? Like we should have other examples. Um like Spelunky is another example. Um, I mean, there's any manner of game that is not realistic looking. Yeah, yeah. Pick anything for Nintendo. Pikmin, right? All that stuff, right? And, and the thing that's beautiful is that you can you can establish a visual grammar that people can understand, but you don't get all of this realistic baggage with it, right? And that's it's just this may be an unsatisfying answer, but I think it's a, it's an intractable it's an intractable problem. 
which is this, and that's why it's not good to make realistic looking games in general. Like I think like as a game developer personally, I want to avoid realistic looking games at every turn. I don't I don't even want to deal with them because you get all kinds of things that look realistic. Once people look at it, they'll be like, "Okay, well, okay, well now there's a chair. I expect to be able to sit on the chair. I can't sit on the chair because this game doesn't have sitting." I expect people to step over the chair. I can't step over the chair because this game doesn't have jump. Oh, speaking of step, I want to ha- throw the chair. I can't. Like you can't do anything. What I hate stuff. even more is when you present like invisible walls in games. When oh, I can jump really, really high, or I can get up high, like in Halo Four, right. and get up high. But if I get up a little bit too high, then I can't get over this thing, right? right. Uh, or a game that has like a little step, and your character can't can't jump or maybe they can jump but right. like so, so they can't climb very simple things now some of those things you can address by very very careful construction of your spaces for example um okay like demon souls dark souls right so this is a game that's like a first person style game it's actually third person but essentially same kind of thing for the purposes of this discussion and you can't jump right and so what you want to do is you ideally you should make every surface in that game to be really clear as to like this is you can either walk on it or it's a wall right now you can walk up steps in this game right and a step that's tall enough becomes a ledge for you to jump up to right but you can't jump right there's a few there's a few places in that game in between those two games where it looks like there's a place you can reach but you can't and you just have to find that out through trial and error and if they were good enough with the grammar of Basically, like, distinguishing between, like, what you can walk into and what you can't and how that looks, you would never have that problem, right? It would be clear. Um, so that's that's kind of like an execution slash design type of issue, right? But the thing with the door, you just – I mean, if you're going to have a real city building, then you either find a way to not draw doors on it. It's not acceptable. You're just going to have to live with the fact that, like, you there's going to be doors, yeah, so basically you you're saying build build the game's rules in such a way where people don't have the expectation to do those things. Right. So what I would do is I would build it in some kind of fantasy land where I can build a building if I want to or a wall or something, right? Where I'm the, I don't have like I don't feel compelled to have to add that visual element of a door in order for that representation of that object to feel like it's actually complete and believable. You know, yeah, or just put a bunch of turrets on the door so you can't get near it. <laughs> well, then, then you get into a big, another big problem, right? But this, yeah, I mean, this is why realistic games are a big problem in general. You know, it's not like like uh, what's the heavy rain? Yeah. So many things you think you'd be able to do that you can't because of the way they draw. Them. Are you going to find a master of science program in technology that creates thinkers who understand how business works and how to apply the technology? Where else are you going to discover a graduate degree in technology that is customized to meet your objectives? Where else in the Valley, on campus or online, can you study at the only private university that gives you the opportunity to focus in specialized areas like network security, artificial life programming, and game studies, as well as technology management? Where else? Where else but the University of Advancing Technology? UAT's graduate technology program is accelerated. It combines business with technology. It offers the flexibility to adapt quickly to changes that come in high-tech fields. Feed your brain. Lead. Manage. You won't find this innovative environment anywhere else. UAT, the select private university where you'll be fully immersed in technology. The experience is unrivaled. Click UAT.edu. That's UAT.edu. All right, we're back. It's Chatterbox, and we're on the last segment. The very last segment, where I mentioned to you... The University of Advancing Technology is still around. Their website is uat.edu. I also 
can mention our Facebook page, which is getting a little bit of activity. It's nice. It's nice because like, if we want to put pictures up there, we can. We haven't yet. Yes. I was just thinking of announcing to everybody on the page that I'm available for answering um, you know, questions or personal attacks, you know, anything really. It's a great place. Now, unfortunately, uh, I mostly only ever use my phone to access Facebook, and um, it, it's difficult to be looking at the page as opposed to my profile and then respond as myself. So every time I respond, I respond as the page and people don't know if it's me or you but yeah. i suspect anytime you're active on there it's always going to be it's going to be me as you personally yeah and then if it's not me it's going to be you yeah so if it's if it's chatterbox talking it's me if it's ara talking it's him and i i may jump in there as myself sometimes so it's obviously alon but just to keep people on their toes at one point i tried to tag it i tried to put like hyphen a for alon and i was like oh damn it ara's with an a too <laughs> Yeah. I can't do A. That won't work. Too many A's. I could just I could put one. You could be number two. All right. It's <laughs> going to be like that from now on. I, di- I didn't think you would accept that. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Anyway, I urge you all, go to our Facebook page. Uh, I don't have it linked anywhere on the internet, but uh, it's facebook.com slash chatterbox video game radio. Really long. It's like tons of syllables. It's like a screening mechanism, actually. If you're smart enough to type it in, then you deserve yeah. to be participating. It's actually, it's ten syllables. There you go. 11 even. Okay. No, 10. Let's talk about China. Why? Alon, do you know what um, has been not allowed in China since 2000? Girls? They throw away girls in dumpsters. Do you know what um, commercial product has been banned for sale in China since 2000? There's, There's probably a lot. Uh, Just take a wild guess. What product? Like what my fir- product? first thing that comes to the mind, honestly, yeah. vibrators. No, like considering the context of this show, what we talk uh, about. It could be either MMOs or well, it's not MMOs or mature rated games in general, or definitely games games that say negative things about China. Now you're you're really far off. Okay. Okay. And um. I didn't even know that this was true, what I'm about to reveal. So I, it's, I don't it, it blame may, you for It may being not far be off. true. Everything no, you read no, on the internet. True. Apparently, um, in 2000, they, the Chinese government started a policy to ban game consoles for the purpose of not interfering with children's development. What? Yeah, so... You cannot buy that any generation of console after 2000. I had no in, idea. In China. Neither did I. This is new information. But Nintendo to made tw- that, that Nintendo 64 that. thing called the Cube. Or no, the Q. Yeah, it was um, yeah, the IQ player. And so, somehow it's not a console. Somehow they were able to get around the Chinese definition of a console because apparently the handhelds are for sale. And um, I guess those haven't destroyed the development of Chinese youth. Dude, studies around here say that people actually get smarter with gaming. Of course they do. Well, it depends on the game, right? If it's a skill game, I say of course they do, right? If it's Farmville, then of course it's going to destroy your life. Well, I would I would venture to say that Farmville's also probably better than watching television. Mm, I disagree. <laughs> yeah, I mean, no. there's hand-eye coordination because you got to click on specific things and you got to read text. No, it's not worth it. Uh, yeah, well, <laughs> I mean, I'm with you. I wouldn't want my kid <laughs> playing it, but it's better than staring at a wall. Apparently, there's um, this has been reported by China Daily, so you know that it's legit. They're they're considering they're considering reversing this policy and possibly allowing the Dude, can sale you, of consoles. Can you China. imagine being someone who's been like oppressed from games and then all of a sudden having thirteen years of technology well, the, advanced? The, well, the funny thing is, is that I mean, I don't know what they, I don't know if they like do something special to restrain like kids from playing MMOs and so on, but clearly the MMO culture has not been negatively impacted by this law. Oh, yeah. Well, gold farming. You wouldn't want to take that out of the or, hands of the economy. Or gold farming. And the irony, actually, is that a lot of those, right, like all those activities of video gaming and like MMOs um, and, and mobile stuff as well, right? Like 
as far as the quality of experience and the potential to learn, like those are kind of the dregs of video games. So it's kind of ironic. Yeah. Well, what's interesting too is that if they want to stop kids from playing games, they should get rid of the mobile consoles. Right. Just as well, because their kids play those all the time. I think that they're they're even. Maybe it's to stop kids while at home from I, playing video games. I don't know. There's nothing about China that I understand. I'm not even going to pretend. Wow. But there you have it. Well, that's that's interesting. How yeah. did we not know that? I, this is this is the most surprising thing. How did we not know this for 13 years? Man. Right. That that's shameful, isn't it? Yeah. But now we know, and now everyone else can know too. Okay, well, you know, I'll uh, I'll take your word for it. Yeah, but that's that's crazy. You, you sure can. you didn't read that like on the Onion or something weird like that? China, China Daily. China Daily. All right. Well, do we want to talk more about games and politics? Well, what you got? Well, there's the Biden thing, wanting to talk more about violent video games, decide how much it really matters. No. What's the angle there? There's nothing. It says Vice President Biden reiterates reiterates that we have to research violent video games to find out if it really has an impact. You know, because all this gun junk. You know right. that there was gun reform just recently. Either pro- I can't even tell. Proposed, passed, I don't, I don't know. Everybody in America, by the way, everyone on my Facebook feed, yeah, it's a big mess. really angry. When you live in Arizona, people really like their guns. And uh, you can't get away from... Wait, why are they angry? Because I have groups of friends who fall squarely into both camps. Because they want to stop you from owning a machine gun, God forbid. Yeah. Or make it so you can't have a clip that's like got 100 bullets in it. Magazine. You mean. Yeah, well, it's the same thing. No, this is... No. It's it is. very important that you see magazine and not clip. Whatever. Um, <laughs> anyway. Let's, you want to talk about that? Because I think that that's kind of a little crazy. Um Difference between clip and magazine? No, 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 no. Right? So, so what they want to do, right? I don't know if they've done this yet, right? But they want to say, like, okay, you can have a seven-round magazine. Okay. But we're going to ban the ten-round magazines. And I actually listened to an argument about why they wanted to do this. And I've, argument, I've only ever heard, by the way, that they want to allow up to ten and none of this 30 business. But whatever. Okay. Well, numbers aren't important. Same discussion. Okay. Yeah. Pick any two numbers that a magazine size can be. Okay. Seven or ten or ten or thirty or whatever. Right. But the the impetus, like the argument behind this, because they never really understood it. I still don't really understand it, but I I, li- I finally listened to somebody explain it. Right. And the idea is that if you're a murderous killer, right, and your your magazine can hold seven rounds instead of ten, then that's a pause of a few moments after your seventh round that you're susceptible to being hit by the cops or whatever yeah. Good Samaritan is there. And yeah, so it's to you cause will, reload time. You will, yeah, you will kill less children that way. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's definitely what it's about. Right. So that is, this is, it makes no sense to me that they think that that's going to actually do anything. Right, no. like, don't bring another weapon. Like, you can't. That's that. This is going to be a completely well, no. like unavoidable thing. To but you can get still around. bring more magazines. But then the argument's like, I could change a magazine within a second and a half or something. It's like, yeah. well, yeah. Well, the the point is, right, that the only way I think that that kind of measure can actually get to the point that it's actually effective is if they just say, like, okay, like let's just let's just go back to six shooters, guys. How about one? How about a one shooter? Yeah. You know, <laughs> you get one shot and then you have to throw away the gun. Get another gun. Anyway, so uh, so Biden says, you know, let the CDC, that's the Center for Disease Control, and let the National Institute of Health, let those people go out and look at the pathology, you know, if there is a pathology related to gun violence. This is, this is actually, this kind of incenses me, because there have been really, really good research done just, just some months ago, I think it was about half a year ago, we, we talked about a study that was done that showed that, I mean, it was the most practical obvious result you could get that showed that yeah you know what people who play the most violent games and are violent like it's a personality trait and so that's why you have that correlation you know you mean that they play violent games because they are violent right the other way around right it's not because they were you know um some kind of like upstanding citizen and then they played a violent game and then became violent as a result it's it's the other way around and that makes i mean that's it's just like so practically logical it's like 
and they've done this research, and they've done this research, and it's good research, and I don't know why. But you the could also argue that like that research doesn't exist. You could also argue, let's say there's someone who's inherently violent and they're placed in the middle of Candyland, right? Where everybody's just lollipops and gumdrops and happiness all the time. Right. That person their violent tendencies might subside. Right. And they they might. I mean that's one extreme that's not realistic, right? Right. But but the more the more examples of life or the more situations you put them in where that aggression can be had Right. Then they're more used to it, and they're more likely to try and pursue that in their lives, since they are do have that natural tendency of being. Well, that's. Being I mean, violent. I mean, you're just speculating. Well, I am, but it's it's sensible to me. However, I still think you hurt society more by limiting these things than than you help it, because it, really you should cater to the masses rather than the few. Yeah, I just I just feel like this whole like oh we need more research thing is a cop out like. First of all, he's not even aware, apparently, about all the research. And I'm not even, right? I'm not even representing that I am, right? But since second of all, right, it's like it's – like why don't we look at what we've got and like uh, a, lot of the, a lot of the studies done on this stuff are pretty bad too because they just measure like, oh, I, I kicked you in the face. You got really mad for a second after getting kicked in the face, so you're, now you're more violent. And it's like it doesn't like – it's just taken out of context, or they're, they're, That's they're a great example. They're studying way. very, very narrow contexts and trying to apply them to much broader ones in ways that don't make sense. And we gotta, we have to like recognize that this is happening in this way if we want to have an actually honest discussion about it. All right. Well, we are at the end of our program today. This week, even uh, don't forget Facebook page, facebook.com/slash/chatterboxvideogameradio. Um, we'll be back next week, right? Any reason we wouldn't be here next week? No reason why we wouldn't. No, we will be here. Enjoy your Super Bowl weekend, everybody. Oh, yeah, that thing. Are you going to be doing that? I, I, maybe. Oh, it's just going to be fantastic. And and post some post some pictures on Facebook this week. Maybe some graphs, some charts I'll try. with lines. Okay. All right, we'll be back next week, everybody. Thank you for listening. Good night, guys. You've been listening to Chatterbox Video Game Radio. Tune in next week for more tips and info and the latest and greatest in video gaming. And remember, all your base are belong to us.